Salesmen started cutting up these rattlesnakes, pretending, half pretending to sell this oil and, and promising that all the aches and pains could be healed if you simply take this. So they would travel around. And of course, these, the people in these western towns full of aches and pains and fraught with fears and despair and, and hopelessness and anxiety as a result of not finding a cure, they'd run to them. And they couldn't find a solution, but they saw a quick solution with these guys and what they were selling. But as you know, snake oil was just a big old fraud because they would get these and they would be so happy to get them, but they would find out a week later that the aches and pains didn't really go away and they would descend right back to where they were. After they ran the salesman out of town, get that guy out of here and sorry we don't get our money back because he's already gone, he's, he's hightailed out of here. But they went right back to where they started, still, still weighed down by their fears and their anxieties. No, no true cure for what they were looking for, and no peace in their hearts. And so, that was the 1800s. No snake oil salesmen walking around today, and let me know if you find one, and we will run them out of town. Um, but in reality, the, the aches and the pains and the disappointments, those things that are part of the human condition, the anxieties, they, they persist, and the pursuit for peace remains. And the concept of snake oil, which is just simply fraudulent, worldly methods that would, there would be a solution that would ultimately calm fearful hearts and heal aches and pains, that, that concept still remains. And so the question for us in here today is, is when, we, when we are troubled, when we're fraught with fear and anxiety, when we're shaken, where do we find peace? Church, we have a rock-solid answer to that question. Our God has graciously given us a promise of peace that transcends every moment, every difficulty that we face in this life. And the, the, the wonder of it is He's preserved that promise for us in Scripture. So we want to see that in Isaiah 26. I'm, I'm going to read verses 1 through 6. Please read along with me. In that day this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. He sets up salvation as walls and bulwarks. Open the gates that the righteous nation that keeps faith may enter in. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. For He has humbled the inhabitants of the heights, the lofty city. He, he lays it low. He lays it low to the ground, casts it to the dust. The foot tramples it. The feet of the poor, the steps of the needy. The Word of the Lord. You see, church, when we trust in God's faithfulness, he guards us with unshakable peace. That's the incredible promise of this passage. Whether weighty or mundane, trying situations face each and every one of us every day. It might be when you wake up and for whatever reason you just you immediately feel anxious about your to-do list or about what's ahead of you. Maybe it's when you, you're, you're scrolling online and you find a news story that just, oh man, I didn't realize that was going on right now. 
What if that starts kind of getting into my life and inflation and all these other things, all these other concerns hit you as a result of a simple news story that you may have read? Or when you're called in, you get a call into the office at work and you don't, you don't know why. You've been struggling a little bit recently, but you don't know, and you're walking into that office not sure what's about to happen. And in those moments when you're, you're shaken and you're stirred up, in that moment, where do we find peace? Can't be found in the, it cannot be found in the snake oil that is the worldly methods, and it can't be found in our own strength. You see, it's as we fix our eyes on God's faithfulness, on His trustworthiness that He surrounds us and that He keeps us in peace. So why can we trust in God's faithfulness? How, how can we be guarded with unshakable peace? Let's look at three, three reasons revealed in Scripture here from this text. Our guaranteed future, our precious promise of peace, and the constant assurance that is ours. So point number one, our guaranteed future. Isaiah begins this section of this prophecy with a song for the people of Judah. So let's, let's take you back a little bit to what was happening here. Look at verse 1. It says, In that day this song will be sung in the land of Judah. So Isaiah 26 follows in a section in, in Isaiah between chapters 24 and 7 of Isaiah's prophecy to Judah. And if you want to go back and study three chapters this week that just proclaim the supremacy of the Lord over all the nations, those would be three to just mine this week. It casts a vision of God who is the judge over all nations. But earlier, if you, go, if you flip back to earlier in Isaiah, you see that Isaiah had prophesied about the coming exile of Israel. Israel was going to be exiled they would be overpowered by the Assyrians. And he prophesied judgment to Babylon. And Babylon was, they were the people who were going to take the southern kingdom of Judah into captivity years later. So God's people were going to be battered. They were going to be mocked. They were going to be defeated. And all just did not look well for them. But suddenly we see in this vision, God makes a declaration. All those, all those nations I just mentioned, Babylon, Assyria, that He's supreme over them. That there would be a short-term judgment over these nations and there would be a day in which all would be made right. And he says right there in Isaiah 25, 8, Isaiah says this, he says, He will swallow up, God will swallow up death forever and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. And he says all that will happen on that day, Isaiah 24, 21. So this is the concept that the day of the Lord when Christ will return to punish the kings and the rulers of the earth. That's in that day that Isaiah 26, 1 is talking about. So here we get to chapter 26. Isaiah shifts his tone a bit. So we've seen destruction. We've seen judgment. We've seen all these other things. And Isaiah breaks into a song in the midst of all that. He breaks into a song and he says, hey, Judah, things have really not gone well for you. And here's what's about to happen. It's, it's going to get a whole lot worse for you all. But all is not going to be lost. Despite what you're about to see, despite what you're currently seeing, the Lord reigns as the only sovereign who is bringing about His good purposes. And you need to focus on that above your situation that you're going through right now. The Lord calls His people to trust in Him alone. Not, not Assyria, not, not Babylon. People of God, he's, He says, you're going to live in these pagan cultures, so that's, that's part of your future. That's about to happen for you all, but 
Don't be, don't be controlled and consumed by the, what, what they're doing. Be controlled by this vision. This vision of, of, of a future that is guaranteed for you. And let that strengthen you for today and tomorrow and the days ahead. You see, Judah, Judah was going to be tempted by their, by their circumstances, by the surrounding cultures and what they promoted and what they pursued. They would interact daily with them and be hooked in, potentially, by their promises of peace and security, by things like money and power and fame and comfort, and be tempted to be hooked in to that. And you see, church, we, like Judah, are tempted in this very same way in, in the world that we live in right now and in this culture to be hooked in and to align ourselves with this world and what they're pursuing, and specifically the peace and security that they're pursuing that lies in opposition to the Lord. So when it comes to the question of getting peace, we're surrounded by a culture that, that has many answers. Oh, oh peace, security, I, I got it. it that's, that comes through money, security, right there. Or you, you want to get peace for a bit, though some people pursue alcohol or it might be heroin. Or, man, get a subscription to Netflix and you, you had a hard day at work, just watch Netflix for a couple hours every night. Man, you'll be good, good for the morning. Maybe it's your job and the quality of your job or your relationship with your kids or your home or how your home looks and how clean it is and how up-to-date it is, your health or your reputation. And if we're not careful, we can be hooked into raising these on the, the top of the pedestal and, and, and pursuing these above all else for our ultimate security and peace. If I can just, if I can just be healthy, if I can just be liked at work, then all's going to be well. I'm going to have peace. If I can just have X amount of dollars in my bank account, that's security for me. I'll trust you, Lord, in that moment. And we can be, we can be hooked in by that. But the reality is that these are all worldly methods that, will, are, that are going to come up empty. And aligning ourselves with them is ultimately aligning ourselves in something that is op- in opposition to what the Lord promises you see, Isaiah calls Judah not to look at the city around them because all these cities are going to crumble. They're going to be destroyed ultimately, but to look at God's city, the kingdom that it is in heaven. Look, look at what that city consists of. In Isaiah 26, verse 1, it says this, we have, we have a strong city that he, God, sets up as salvation as walls and bulwarks. Walls and bulwarks. So what's protecting this city? Not one wall, but two walls. Inner wall, outer wall. Double protection in this city. And these are man-made? No, they're not man-made walls. Look at the text. It says, salvation is our defense. So, so, so God says he, he gives his people a secure salvation that surrounds them, that protects them, that sets them on a course to an imperishable inheritance beyond the streets of this earth. And we see here, church, we see here that the source of peace, it's, it's not in this crumbling world. It, it, it is in God in the future climactic salvation that he guarantees to those in Christ. That God has graciously, graciously initiated and accomplished our salvation, that he is for us, that he is not against us, that he has promised to bring us into an eternal city, not this dying city that we live in right now, but an eternal city in which we will dwell with him forever. And who, and, and who can experience that city? Because I want that. I, I want to live in that city. 
a city in which there will not be any anxieties and fears, in which we will dwell in eternal peace. I, I want to be there. Verse 2 says, open the gates that the righteous nation that keeps faith may enter in. So the righteous are those who enter into this city. Who are the righteous? Those who will one day stand at the gates and look Jesus in the eyes and say, you know, I lived my life and I tried, but ultimately I stand here uncondemned and in light of your blazing glory not because of what I did, not because of what I, the security I created, but because of Christ and His work for me. So God springs the gates open that God freely offers salvation to all who would turn over their allegiance to the world and align themselves with the purposes of His kingdom and His King, Jesus Christ. And you see, church, we, we live in this world, but you know this. You are not a citizen of this world, ultimately. You are a citizen of that eternal city, the city of God. And church, we have received the blessed hope that awaits us when this life of trials and tribulations and anxieties and fears is over and we can sing. Remember, this is a song in Isaiah 26. This is a song we can sing in confidence in that day and we can have perfect peace for today. But we, we must be honest with ourselves going about our daily lives here. We, I, I want to ask you, where do you find your peace on a daily basis? Where are you finding your peace? And I think it's a good place to pause. Think about this past week. Events, situations that you got into this week. Where were you tempted toward anxiety or fear or despair? That's a good thing to write down and think about that. And then think about, think about those areas and think about your response. What did, what did you do as a result? You were, you, were, you were hit with something specifically, a specific situation, and then what was your response in that moment? Some run to simple pleasures in those moments. Maybe it's drink, maybe it's entertainment. Some want they, they might read something online that gets them to fear, anxiety, and they want to research more, or they want to do more. Well, I, I've had a hard day, and I'm just struggling about what's going on tomorrow, and I got, my life's full of worry, but I just got to get out and work with my hands. I, I'll be good. I'll be good in a few hours. That's what I got to do. That's going to solve it. That's going to be my satisfaction. Some, it's just a dream. It's a dream of, maybe it's, I, I, man, if I just had better kids, that's my dream. Better kids, and I got peace. Or it's a better government. That's what I need. Or it's a better house. It's a question for us is, wh where do we run? Where do we run? You see, every other promise of peace comes up empty, church. And so God is calling us to look beyond our circumstances, beyond what the, whole, what the world holds out to us, and look to the day that is coming, to our guaranteed future. God's guarantee of faithfulness to the end means that He will be faithful to you and to me today. You realize how powerful that is? That we, because we have a guaranteed future, we know that we have a guaranteed today and hope and peace for today. God himself has secured our peace. So let's look at next at how he promises to do, for that, do that for us. Point number two, precious promise from verses three and four. Look at verse three. It says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Perfect 
peace offered to all who would put their trust in the Lord. And, and so this piece literally reads, peace, peace, in the original text. Shalom, shalom. Just repeats it. So the best translation, hey, perfect peace. That's what he's at there. So God promises shalom to his children. And, and shalom is so, so, so much of a bigger word than simply maybe some of our connotations of peace. It's not simply when, it's not world peace, the absence of conflict and wars or trials. It's, it's more than simply removing the bad things around us. It's more than simply getting us out of a bad neighborhood into a good neighborhood. It's, it's more than the end of all wars. It's, it's perfect peace that is a gift from the sovereign Lord, from the fountain of, fountain of peace to his children. It's a positive blessing for those who stand in right relationship with God. It's a, it's a sense of complete wholeness. Wholeness as we are aligned with all that God intends for us. And it guarantees a sense of being fully at ease, fully calm, fully satisfied, fulfilled, a sense that all is well. And that shalom that is so much greater than simply the removal of bad things around us that is actually available to us in the hard moments that we face. And we can have peace within the trials that we face. And that's what some of us, I think, specifically need to hear today. Some of us are in the middle of a situation that's just trying our trust, that's, that's just tempting us every hour or every day. And we feel the weight of it. And so in those moments, whether it's, you're facing that now or whether it's a moment that's going to come your way, what do we do? Perfect peace offered to us, shalom offered to us. How, how do we tap into that? Because that's what I want. I want to tap into that. We trust this precious promise that God himself in those moments will keep us that He will guard us, that He will preserve us, that we trust the promises of, promise of Isaiah 42, 5-6 that says, Thus says God, the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness and I will take you by the hand and I will keep you. But Lord... You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know the hurt that I'm experiencing. You don't know how hard this season is for me right now. Who, who can promise unshakable peace like that? Who can promise perfect peace that will cause me to be kept regardless of my situation? The one who created the heavens. The one who stretched them out. The one who called us to himself and created us in Christ Jesus to walk out his eternal good purposes. The one who did not spare his own son for us, but graciously gives us all things through him. Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace who entered into our world of confusion and fears and lies, who was tempted toward fear. He was tempted to distrust God, but he persevered to the death. And it is because he accomplished our salvation, because, because he took the punishment for our sin, that we can be reconciled to God. And the fountain, he is the fountain of all that is good, and we can now receive the blessing, all the blessings that he offers us because of Jesus Christ. So you see, we have peace with God. We have peace with God through Jesus Christ. And Christ has now won us. He has purchased us this gift of peace. And he did that at the cross.
for you. And he did that not so that we can walk out our days and dwell in anxiety and fear, not so that we can say, you know, that's just my struggle. That's just who I am. I'm just a fearful person. Um, And I know some of us struggle more so than others, but what I'm getting at is not so that we can just say, that's my identity. You know, I just, I'm an anxious person. I don't know. I don't think I can experience peace. This is not for me. No, no. Christ gave his life and purchased peace for us at the cross so that we might be empowered by the Spirit to repent of unbelief and receive God's promised gift of peace. You see, look at the text. God, text, God himself promises to guard your heart and your mind with unshakable peace that transcends your ability and that transcends your situation. It's those times when everything around you seems to just be crashing and you aren't sure how to respond. And yet, yet in a way, when you fix your eyes on the Lord, when you call out to Him, in a way that you can't explain, I'm sure many of us have experienced this, that you just feel, you feel upheld. You feel like amid all, all this weight has been removed and that something is, somebody is carrying you through this situation and somehow miraculously all is well in light of everything that's crashing around. Maybe it's kids when you, when you see a thunderstorm and you fix your eyes on the Lord and, and here's your promise. He will keep you in perfect peace as you call out to Him. Church, maybe, maybe you're, you're changing jobs or maybe you're unemployed right now. Fix your eyes on the Lord. He will keep, he will keep you in perfect peace. Maybe your health is failing you. He will keep you in perfect peace. Maybe your kids are struggling and you're just done with that and you aren't sure how, there's, how that chaos can result in peace. Well, he will keep you in perfect peace. Maybe you're worried about something that's going on later today or next week or next month or next year and he's going to keep you in perfect peace as you fix your minds on him. And listen, that's not, don't, don't, don't hear me wrong here. It's, it's not based on something that we do and the ability of our faith. It's a simple step. It's, it's not based on our ability to, to cultivate and create, to, to meditate and try to stir up some kind of, think about peace and stir it up and create it in our hearts. Get rid of all these bad things. Get rid of the kids for a little bit because they're screaming and just, I just need to create peace somehow. It's not, not what I'm getting at. It's as you fix your minds on, on Yahweh that he keeps you in perfect peace. That it, it's, it's, sometimes it's just that our weak trust that just reaches out just reaches out to God in the most trying moments. And you know what happens? The strong arm of God grabs us and carries us and He guards us in those moments. But you see, even we as, as, as God's children, we can flip that. You know, I, God, give me peace and then I'll trust you. God, take away this, this right here. I don't like this. And then I'll trust you. And I think I can have peace if you get rid of this. That's not it. It's not what Isaiah's getting at here. It's not what the Lord's getting at. It's, it, it, there's no promise here of changed circumstances. There's, there's an end change, that guaranteed future we talked about, but right now, God's not saying, yeah, I'm going to give you peace after I rework your situation right now and get rid of all the bad stuff that's tempting you. No, it's, it's as we trust in God in every circumstance that God blesses us with peace. It, it says you keep in, Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Because he trusts in you. We have to read that a little backwards. It's, it's someone who's in a situation who's trusting God. 
because his mind stayed on him, and the result is, is perfect peace. And, and you see, our minds, our minds are the center. The minds are the center of our thoughts, but even, even deeper than that, you know that, but even deeper than that, it's our devotion. It's our purposes. Elsewhere you see it in Scripture referring to our, our imaginations. It gives us the idea of what is formed in our minds, what's created in our minds, in our deepest desires. It's like, kind of like a potter forms clay. It's what our minds are doing. You see, our minds are constantly seeing what's happening in our lives, and we're forming a worldview and a perspective, a way that we want to see what's going on. We're forming a mindset, and we fix our minds on whatever that perspective is. And so, so God makes it clear here, though, that the only mind that will be guarded by peace is the one that is preoccupied and fixed on Him. You see, our minds are kept by God not when they are governed by what is in front of us, but by a belief in God's trustworthiness. Something that's fixed on, on, on true reality. But you know this. Our minds, so often we can, we can form a false reality. We can see what's going on around us and we can interpret it in a certain way that does not line up with the Lord's purposes and what He's doing and His promises. We can reform a situation with a lie. This is what's going on right here. God, 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 I, don't, I don't think God has a good plan for this. How, how, could, how could my father, how could my good father let me suffer in, in this way? And we become blinded to God's good purposes in our lives. And our, and our minds become fixed with with this lie that we've created, and this false reality. We see this play out, many of you are familiar with the Chronicles of Narnia series, specifically the, the, the book Voyage of, Dawn, Voyage of the Dawn Treader. We see this play out, I think, really specifically in a, in a frightening way of how this can happen. In, in the book, Prince Caspian is taking a big crew with him on the Dawn Treader, this big boat, and he's in search of all these lords who have been lost and he wants to find them but ultimately he wants to go to the end of the world that's kind of one of his goals and on the journey they sail by the dark island into complete darkness so their situation changes and they find in the middle of that darkness somebody who's been living there in the midst of darkness for who knows how long a crazed man and he cries out to them flee flee and he says this darkness is where dreams, dreams do you understand? They come to life. They come real. Not daydreams, dreams, nightmares. And, and the book says there was about a half a minute silence. And then with a great clatter of armor, the whole crew were tumbling down the main hatch as quick as possible. They're flinging themselves on the oars to, roar them, to, to row themselves as they have never rowed before for it had taken everyone just that half minute to remember certain dreams they had had. Dreams that make you afraid of going to sleep again. Dreams that might become real amidst this darkness. And the same idea was occurring to everyone on board as they rowed and as they rowed. We shall never get out. We shall never get out. And so you see, church, these men, were, they're faithful sailors. They know what they're doing. They're on a mission. They have a destination in mind. But their fears overtook them. Their circumstances changed. And they stayed their minds not on their destination, not on their captain, but on their situation, on their darkness. And they changed their worldview and their perspective. And that changed their response. 
Their response was, let's get out. Uh, We're not getting out of here. I don't see a way out of this. You see, when we're fearful, when we're anxious, we're darkened to the promises of God. God's no longer sovereign or good or loving. We start imagining other things. We don't see God as faithful, what Tim Keller would call functional atheism in that moment. You say, instead of, in that moment, instead of God's word informing us, it's our dreams, it's our imaginations, what we form in our minds that clouds our vision of God. And like darkness descending on us, our minds are given over to anxiety and fear and hopelessness and unbelief. That's how, that's how it works when we have that shift of the mindset. And it's in those moments we must ask ourselves, what's causing us to take our minds off the Lord? For you in your situation, what are you, what are you imagining? What are you forming in your mind that's, just, that's not true? Um, Abby and I have been looking for a house for a few months now and keep getting rejected on offer after offer after offer. And so I'm starting to form just, just unbelief. Lord, you're not going to provide in this situation. It's not going to happen. Because my circumstances, I don't like. And so I'm shifting my focus from the unchanging God to, to what's going on. And I, I don't know if I'm believing he's going to work this out anymore. But he's, he's provided for us. I know that. I, I can testify to that right now that he's provided for us. But in those moments of weakness, yeah, in that moments of sin, I'm just, there's that unbelief. So I'm just, the question for us is, what is it for you? What are you imagining that's not true? It's in these moments that we must fix our eyes on God's faithfulness, on his trustworthiness. I just I love how this Narnia segment ends. Amid all the chaos, good old faithful Lucy. You remember Lucy? Lucy whispers. She goes to the edge of the boat. She whispers. Amid the darkness, she can't see anything. Aslan, Aslan, if ever you loved us at all, send us help now. Just that. Short and sweet. It says the darkness did not grow any less, but she began to feel a little, a very little, 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 very little better. There was a tiny speck of light ahead, and while they watched, a broad beam of light fell from it from upon the ship and guided them out of the darkness. Darkness doesn't disappear initially, but a light is cast on those, on her and on us as we cry out. Even that weak, that weak cry of faith, we cry out for help, for help that removes our imaginations, that removes the fears that the darkness has caused to descend upon us. See, church, we must stay our minds on God's faithfulness so that it might shatter the darkness of fear and unbelief and flood our mind with peace. Every moment of our lives needs a God-centered interpretation that comes from His Word and from His very great promises. So your situation does have a God-centered interpretation. We want to let God's Word inform our thoughts. Let it transform our response. Knowing that he's conforming you to the image of Jesus Christ in the middle of whatever you're experiencing right now. And so we want to cling to passages like Isaiah 26, 12, a few verses later. It says, O Lord, you will ordain peace for us, for you have indeed done for us all our works. You're going to do it. You've ordained peace in this situation. John Oswald commentates in this way. He says, we don't deny the presence nor do, we know, nor do we know of any power to help ourselves. 
But we know a God whose strength is as limitless as his love and whose purposes remain steadfast to bless all those who will commit themselves to him. Commit yourself to God knowing that he's committed to you, to bless you today. And look at the text, verse 3. It says, how do, how do we keep our minds stayed on God so we can, we can be kept in peace? It says, because, because we trust in God. See that word, because, that is why we can fix our eyes on the Lord. And why can we do that? Keep going. Verse 4 says, trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Forever and everlasting. You see them both in there. I think that's, not, that's on purpose. He's throwing both. He's trying to hit us over the head. He's, he's forever. He's everlasting. That, that God has seen it all. That means he's had a plan from the beginning. That means his purposes go beyond today and tomorrow and are threaded throughout history. It means that God has sovereignly been acting to preserve his people, to preserve you, and perfectly orchestrate events in all generations, including this day, this day right now, this generation. You see, Isaiah is calling us to lift our eyes from the present and to fix our eyes on the everlasting rock, the unchanging rock who will not be moved, who will not be shaken, who will guard us that we might not be shaken. Even when our circumstances aren't changing, even amid the pain and the trouble, even when we don't see fruit day after day after day, even so, God is faithful, God is at work, and we can have peace. We can have peace about the past. We can have peace today as we trust in the Lord. And we can have peace as we trust Him about the unknown of the future. All that is promised to us, that we can be unshaken because we know that we are kept by our everlasting rock. Church, we have a guaranteed future. We have, a, we have this precious promise preserved for us. And finally, we have constant assurance. Point number three, a constant assurance. Look at verse 5. For he has humbled the inhabitants of the heights, the lofty city. He lays it low. He lays it low to the ground, casts it to the dust. The foot tramples it, the feet of the poor, the steps of the needy. So Isaiah moves here to show us a specific reason why we can trust this everlasting God. See, look how this this flows. It says, trust God for, for this reason. He's saying, Judah, Judah, you remember those great nations that are coming? That are surrounding you? They're going to take you into captivity? Well, well just like Babel, they, they have raised themselves up in pride. They are, they are lofty in their own eyes. But that's a lofty city that's the opposite of trusting in, in God. And, and you know what? There are many in this world who would choose that city's temporary glory. That dying, crumbling city. They will run to its temporary solutions. They will run to the independence offered from a life in which God is not at the center. Is not at the center, but here's Isaiah's warning. They, they, you choose that path, you don't, you don't know what's coming to you. Isaiah's vision makes it clear that there will be a day in which the world's methods, the snake oil that they promote, and the path that they pursue will be shown for the emptiness that they are. And the securities that they build up will ultimately crumble. That God, he who is high and lifted up, will humble these cities. He will lay them low. He will cast them into the dust. What once was mighty, what once seemed to have all the answers, what people are running to, what people are liking, what people are Googling and trying to find out and trusting, 
that God's ultimately going to bring that into utter destruction. All the man-made concepts and principles will crumble. And listen, we, we can choose to run to that. But Isaiah warns us here of the sure end of that path. But, but listen, for, for the believer, this passage grounds our hope. That God is a trustworthy king who has assured us of the future. And even now as we watch this world, as we're tempted to say, but, but look at it. Look at the lies it's trumpeting. Look at everything it's saying. And I'm actually tempted on some days to believe what I'm hearing and to pursue those things. Because I see my friends doing it. And I may even see my kids doing it. And on, on some days, if I'm honest, I think I want to pursue that too. Because I, I want to put my source of belief in that. But here God gives us constant assurance that, that even if the scoreboard looks like it's in the world's favor, even when our circumstances look overwhelming, that the reigning king is actively bringing about his purposes. So church, trust, trust in this God. Trust in the one who is working in ways that you can't see for your good. Trust in the one who has equipped you for this season and the next season. And, and trust in the one who used the curse of a cross to redeem and bless his people. The reality is that it is the faithful, that it is the poor in spirit, that it is, it is the humble, the ones who know they are needy and have not, not much at all to offer of their own. It is they who will trample this city in the end. It is they who will dwell in eternal, the eternal city, in eternal peace with the Lord. The one who clings to the Lord, who believes in his trustworthiness, they are the ones who will triumph. See how our God lifts up the humble. Isaiah 57.15 says it this way. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place and also with him who is contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Do you believe that? Do you believe the Lord can do that for you? Let us humble ourselves before our Lord through faith-filled prayer that stays our mind on Him. Here's how Philippians 4 says it. The Lord is at hand. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So church, Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, that let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded your helpless estates and has shed his own blood for your soul. That you might be guarded with unshakable peace given to you by the almighty and unchanging God, by the everlasting rock. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, what a promise that you have given to us. And we want to take hold of that this morning. Thank you for the work of Christ who secures it for us. And, and Father, I've, I just ask for all those of us who might be struggling, 
just struggling to see past the darkness where our vision's clouded right now and we know we're fixing our minds on other things and we just need our minds fixed on you again. That you would help us as we sing here in a little bit. That you would help us to stay our minds on you amid, amid the rushing wind or amid the tornado that might be going on in our lives that we somehow keep our eyes fixed above on you, on the reigning king and that you would specifically pour out your peace on your people this morning. For those who are in those situations that have so many temptations toward fear and despair and hopelessness. Lord, that you would come alongside them and that you would graciously guard them and keep them with your peace. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And please stand with me. What better way to respond than to go to the Lord's